Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the second episode of the Skids Up RC podcast. Today with me I've got Javier Todas Coil. And what we're going to do on this episode is a bit different. We are going to do an intro or a series of intros on how to get started in the hobby. So this first one is just going to be me and Javier, and we're going to do how to get started with electric helis. And then the second part of this, or act two, will be how to get into nitro and gassers, because uh, there is quite a bit of a divide in the learning curve and in some of the things that you'll need to know and learn about how to set up gassers, how to set up nitros, all of which I do not know, and I'm looking very much forward to uh, sitting in on that episode. We'll just get started with um, just some quick updates from me and Javier over what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, and, um, and we'll go from there. First off, though, I did want to say uh, thank you to all of our listeners. The analytics and tracking of um, the podcast service that we're using shows that we've gotten over 200 downloads, which is, which is pretty awesome, So um, from 12 different countries. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool for the first episode. So thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll keep it interesting, and uh, you guys will keep coming back. Nice. That that is awesome. I mean that that's uh, that's much more than you initially said. I think that you told me last time we were like uh, around the one hundred threshold. Yeah, that was just two days ago, actually. So yeah, that that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, I know what it is. It's it's one guy listening to it a hundred times. That's probably it's probably probably me actually. <laughs> just just one guy tapping on it. To just a, a, a bot, you know, create creating emails and downloading. Well, I uh, I told my friends about it, and they're like, you know. It's not really 12 countries. It's just one person who's changing their VPN settings over and over again. That kind of uh, yeah. took the wind out of my sails. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, um, hey, Javier, why don't you go ahead and start us off? What you been up to for the last couple of weeks? So I, I haven't been been doing much, um, and not, not because of, of weather as much, just because, you know, life has been keeping me busy. My, um, my son went into cross-country, and his uh, meets are on Saturdays. And if you remember, I said that, you know, I usually fly on Saturday mornings. That's prime flying time. Yes. So um, so he's taking <laughs> over that. But that's good. You know, last time, it was awesome. Uh, last time he uh, he broke his personal record. We started talking about, you know, uh, he was pretty bummed because he was doing really well. And he got, there's, you know, junior varsity and varsity teams. So he started, of course, as a freshman on the junior varsity team. And uh, then he got a pretty good time. He got upgraded to uh, or promoted to varsity. Nice. And then he had like a really, really bad time, like the worst time he's had ever. Uh, because he kind of like wanted to keep up with the leaders and he just ran out of gas. So, you know, he had like a very bad time. So then we talked about it and I told him, hey, you know, what guy on your team is, uh, you know, more or less around the times that you want to be? And he said, oh, these guys. So I told him, okay, so just stay between these two guys, you know, uh, the, the the ones that, that we know that, that are, you know, within your time or, or what you want to shoot for. So he did that and he broke his personal record. Um, That's a great strategy. Yeah. Don't worry about anybody else except the front and the back. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because we didn't know how to pace himself. So, so it was it was pretty good, you know. He he did a pretty good effort. He he did a pretty good sprint. He uh, he broke nineteen minutes. I mean, that was awesome. He 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 did a really really good job. We were we were very happy about that. So so it's been good. I mean, it's it's been good to to share those things with him. So it's not like uh, oh bummer, you know, I'm not flying. So it's been replaced with something else. So so it, it's okay. Um, yeah, but. Um, 
But what I did do is that I put in an order for some parts and uh, that order arrived. So uh, I started, um, uh, I sent you some, you, you know, I sent the, the team, the team uh, some, um, some pictures of, uh, of what I've been doing. I basically finished the front of, um, of both helicopters, of the 500 and the 570. So I finished the transmission in both. Um, I assembled the head. Well, the head I actually did, didn't disassemble from the crashes because that was not damaged. The 570, you know, it fell on the, on the tail, so the main head was not damaged. And the other one fell on its side, but without power, so also the head wasn't damaged. Right. So the head, you know, I just had it complete. So I just put the head in, um, but I did reassemble the whole transmission. That I completely disassembled. Um, the the transmission of the 500, I originally bought that helicopter as a 500 Classic. And then so I, it's got the aluminum, the aluminum servo mount? Correct. Instead correct. of the uh, plastic plate? Yes, Yes, okay. because I originally had it as a, as a 500 Classic. Then I bought the uh, the, per, the parts to make it a Sport, but I kept that aluminum, aluminum piece. And I basically kept the entire transmission. And it had um, a Lynx uh, main gear. And it also had uh, a steel pinion, well, secondary pinion, which I assume also was from Lynx. But it was kind of nosy, you know, I guess that because of just wear, you know, I bought it used, it was probably with a good mileage. Yeah. So it, it, it was kind of too noisy. So I just purchased the standard SAB uh, parts, of course, the upgraded ones from the Sport, um, and uh, and basically reassembled the whole transmission, which increased my my crash cost, of course. But uh, but I think that it's better to to just make sure that, you know, that that'll heli would last, of course, as long as I don't crash it again. <laughs> so I got that uh, that gear for the 500. Um, I got the, you know, the replacement pinion, which actually is aluminum on the, on, on the original SAB part versus the steel that I had before. But I think that that's fine. You know, I'm going to use the SAB one just to make sure that there's no issues with the other one. Um, so it's basically a brand new transmission on the 500 and on the 570 because the 570, I didn't break the gear, but because of the crash, because it came in full power, the, uh, the inside, uh, of the main gear was all like, uh, very damaged. So I didn't want to risk it. Uh, you know, they don't sell the actual, just, just, just those pieces. So I, I bought the entire gear, um. So it's basically brand new transmissions. When you've got something that's spinning, that's spinning that fast, you know, you don't want to take any chances with it. Yes, yes, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah, if you crush it, it's going to be, you know, way more than you spent on that one part. In my last Oxy4 crash, I had a blade grip that was, I felt like I could reuse it, but, you know, it's like, man, this thing's spinning so fast. Like, just buy another one. So, yeah, I don't take any chances. Same thing with, you know, like car tires. You know, just, just buy new tires. <laughs> It's just not worth it. But the uh, the pictures are looking good. Um, I guess what else do you have left to order? You still have some tail and boom uh, stuff and some blades to go, or did you go, did you get those in the mail too? Uh, I actually ordered the uh, boom. Uh, if you remember, I was going to revert it back to the um, yellow sport mm -hmm. um, because I crashed. You know, the boom of the Drake was very severely damaged, so I couldn't reuse it. You know, even without re you know even repairing it was not. I could not reuse it, so. Um, but I noticed that uh, that you know it's been out of stock for a while, 
So I didn't want to risk it, so I added it on my first order. So I have already my 570 Drake boom. Um, so I'm so it's gonna be back to being a Drake. Um, so I still need um, basically the entire tail of the 570. I need the main uh, blades of the 500 and a few, you know, bits and pieces. So, um, so, so I'm still looking at, you know, probably a couple more orders to to finish to finish everything up. But you know, I'm taking my time, and um, you know, I have a lot of winter to to go through uh, to you know to to make sure that it's done right. Um, I'm gonna do all the static thing, uh, all the static prevention thing. Uh, I'm gonna make sure that I I'm completely reprogramming the flyberless. You know, I'm doing everything completely from zero that's great like if you take it at your own pace you know um it'll just be a nice relaxing thing to do at the end of the day and then in a couple months uh, you'll have some pristine helis more more than uh two couple months that's true <laughs> but 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 yeah but yeah uh so 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 it'll be nice um the other thing that 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 happened uh that i learned the hard way and this is the first time that this has happened to me um, I usually what I do when I when I crash and uh, I used to buy the entire piece. Uh, for example, if I crashed um, and I broke uh, a bearing, you know, I bought the entire piece that already comes with the bearing, like like the main plate or the or the servo mount or you know um, you know those those parts that included the bearing. I just purchased the entire part, so my my. My crash cost was getting ridiculous. So um, a friend uh, on Helifreak told me to basically just bake the, the, the pieces to soften the, the Loctite that it has and also to expand the aluminum a little bit faster than the steel. And, you know, those, those bearings just pop out really, really well. So um, I'm, I've started to do that. So... Um, what I'm doing then when I'm getting them back is that I clean the inside of uh, of the aluminum pieces of any residual Loctite. Then I put in uh, the uh, the SAB green Loctite, and then I push the bearing in. I you know because green Loctite and uh, well any Loctite and bearings don't get along well. Yeah, I've I've had really really bad luck replacing bearings. Um, I always manage to get Loctite in the bearing, and well, well there goes the bearing. Um, so, have you <laughs> any tricks on getting the Loctite just where it needs to be and not in the bearing? Yes, yes. What I do is uh, I uh, first I uh, I use you know the tip. Um, this this SAB is kind of like a, with a very small tip at the end, so you can get a little a little small drop there. So I just get like a. I don't know, like two or three drops around the inner diameter of where it should go. Uh, and then I use a toothpick. And I just uh, use the toothpick to scrape the, uh, the, the, you know, the gobs of Loctite across the entire inner race uh, or, you know, inner diameter of the, of, of where, of the housing. And, uh, you know, just try to get all the excess Loctite. You, you really just need a film of, of Loctite in there. So that that works out really well. You know, you use the toothpick kind of like the side of the toothpick, um, and uh, and you know just scrape it on and make sure that it's just a nice little film. 
then you just, you know, carefully just pop it down. And if you push it, you should be fine. There should be little to no excess Loctite. All right. Well, I'll have to give that a try. Um, I probably just need to get better with my toothpick skills because I pretty much do the same thing. I just suck at it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's also the, the Loctite that you're using. You know, these... Um, this green Loctite from SAB is uh, it's kind of thicker, so it lends itself a little a little bit better for that. You know, the regular blue Loctite is very liquid. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's also. Well, I, I have green, but I don't have the SAB green. Um, I believe I have like actually Loctite's version of green. I forget the number of it, um, but I, I use it actually on the on the Oxy two. It's required to um, seat the pinion on the motor. You actually use Loctite, which is interesting. I haven't seen that. Haven't seen that before. Usually, there's a set screw. Yes. And so the oxy the oxy two is a bit different. But yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That that I like that. It's because it's very thick and it's very easy to do that, uh, and it doesn't you know splash all over the place. Uh, but uh, the one thing that I did is that you know I I probably didn't do a very good job removing the old Loctite, so I was very I was having a hard time getting the the bearing inside, you know, to sit all the way down. So um, I, uh, you know, Frank basically said, you know, to use a, a, a what is it, an armor press and then a, uh, a socket to sit into the, you know, outer race of the bearing so that you can put it in. So I don't have an armor press, but I have one of those. It's not a tweezer. I don't know what the name of it is. The one, the one that you. Uh, that you can open it up to different lengths, like a like a pipe wrench. Yes, yes, a pipe wrench. Yeah, that's probably not the right name for it, but I, it's the yeah the adjustable wrench that you can kind of lock in place. Correct, correct. So I used that, and I used uh, a socket. I, you know, I have a an old box of a lot of sockets. So um, I used the socket, but I used the socket that was too small. <laughs> so when I when I when I pressed on it and I and I tested the bearing, it was completely locked. Oh man! Okay. So so uh, so I I killed the bearing. This is a good skill to have, though. I mean, especially if you're talking about you know cost replacements. If you can just replace the bearing, uh, it's a little extra work, but totally totally worth it in the long run. I think I, I've got to get I've got to get better at that because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it, 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 I mean the, the the cost the the cost difference is ridiculous. So so yeah, that's uh that's all I'll, I'll, that's all I've been doing, and you know keeping uh, trying to keep on top of Haley Freak uh, a little bit more <laughs> than I should. Uh, but that's that's about it. Cool. So my um, my last couple of weeks has been really busy. Uh, the well, it's, it's just as far as Heli stuff goes. The the Oxy Five arrived, which I was super excited about. And um, I've opened it up and smelled that new plastic smell, but I haven't actually gotten started on it. I probably won't get started on it for um, for a couple weeks now. Uh, but I did want to give a big shout out to Paul from the Heli Hanger and Hobby, which is a, uh, a shop out in the Canadian wilderness. And I uh, actually got turned on to his shop because I was looking for a Oxy4 325 Zeal kit which has been out of stock pretty much everywhere in North America for the last at least six months. And they actually had a kit, which was amazing. Um, so I, I bought that and um, I just really enjoyed the customer service and he seems like a great guy. So I, uh, I went and got the Oxy5 from him as well, even though it's one hell of a trip to get it from there to, to Dallas. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to building that. And let's see, um, I have been 
going through all of my models and trans I think I mentioned this in the last episode, transitioning everything to Gropner. And so that's been a really slow process because I've got three that I want to transition immediately, which would be the Goblin 570 and um, one of my Oxy 4s and one of my Oxy 2s. And so I've got the two done, but I, I must have spent a week trying just to get the transmitter set up. Uh, just because it turns out I'm I'm actually an idiot. And um, I had a, I was going around and around in circles because I didn't realize up, up until maybe like two or three days ago that there was two ways that you can reverse the uh, servo direction. And so what I had done from the get-go was I had read an article about setting up everything on the Gropner uh, with the, the Spirit FBL, and someone had said, you might need to reverse the output of the channels. So I actually just did that before I even started doing it, just thinking that I would have to do it. Um, and then I started going down this rabbit hole of, well, that channel's reversed, so then I can reverse it. And I actually reversed it in a different menu, and then kind of didn't realize that there were two menus that you had this thing reversed. So I had a reversal of a reversal going on, um, and there was just a bunch of different things, which all ended up being completely unnecessary. And the answer and the fix to all of this was go back to a brand new, you know, brand new model and plug it in. And like, literally, I must have wasted a week and a half of just chasing my tail, trying to figure out why none of the channels worked, why none of the ranges worked, why the throttle response didn't work. Um, it was a mess. And I feel very stupid now that I realize what the solution was because <laughs> it was, but you, but you learned a lot, right? I mean, it's, it's, Oh, I learned a lot. I, I know the, I know the software, like I know the menu system of the Gropner inside and out now, cause I've been through every damn menu and that whole thing. <laughs> nice. Now, now you'll be able to share that with someone. I mean, yeah, that's a good experience. Maybe it'd be a blessing in disguise. Uh, I really like that radio though. Just the hardware is, is pretty awesome. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I got the Oxy two flying, um, about a week ago, I think, yeah, first flight was on, was on a week ago and uh, it flies great. And I'm going to probably you know, just go through the same process for all my other ones, but it's probably going to take, you know, a couple weeks before I can get everything transitioned over. Uh, unlike you, I still have plenty of flying weather left, uh, to contrast things. It was a hundred degrees today. It's October 2nd and it's, it was, you know, the heat with the heat index, it felt like, felt like 99 degrees. Um, Let's see what else. Uh, so I've since our since our last uh, episode, I've actually logged uh, sixty flights, which is pretty cool. Um, I've been flying every single morning uh, before work, and let's see twenty or thirty of those. I've got it written down here. Twenty eight of those were on the Oxy, and then the other the others were on a mixture of the Nano S two and the Blade one fifty S. And the Blade and the one fifty S is an excellent little helicopter. Um, I've been using it to kind of practice my more adventurous moves, um, kind of switching back and forth between um, inverted backward circuits and funnels, and it, it's performing surprisingly well. And since I'm really bad at switching between inverted figure eights and funnels, uh, I've crashed it a ton of times, and I have replaced a gear, and, and that's that's it. Um, well, the skids. I replaced the skids as well, and, and I actually tied floss to each individual skid or each individual rail, so that when it lands, it doesn't flex as much, which is, seems to seems to help. I don't think it's going to break unless I just really slam it into the ground. But I've I have taken this thing into the dirt at full speed, maybe three or four times, and I haven't broken a servo, haven't broken a servo arm, haven't broken a bra blade grip or a blade or or anything. This thing is super resilient, and um, it's actually making me uh, quite a better pilot because I'm able to practice a lot of things that I've only been doing in the simulator, and I definitely don't want to try those out 
on a more expensive helicopter until I feel like I've got it down. Right. So that's been cool. Nice. And let's see, last thing is I am leaving for Germany in three days. So I'm pretty excited about that. Just going on vacation. Um, and I did notice on the analytics of the uh, of the podcast site that there are a couple listeners from Germany. So, hey, if you guys know of any cool heli-related things in the Bavaria Munich area that um, that you think I should check out, please let me know. I would love to, you know, some, some of the best helicopters in the world come from Germany. And um, I would love to see, you know, experience heli-culture in Germany if possible. Uh, my next time, next time I'll have to line up my trip with Rotor Live, but you know, sadly, that's not the case. So that's about it for me. Um, I am really, really looking forward to getting the Oxy Five in the air, and uh, I'll I'll have a report for you guys whenever that happens. But it's probably not going to be until I'll probably say around end of November. I might have it, but even then, we can still fly in Texas. So you know, there's usually only like a week or so of of truly freezing weather. Um, <laughs> Which I, I don't know how many weeks of freezing weather you guys have over there, but it's definitely definitely not uh, a week. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Let us know. I mean that 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 Oxy Five is is one one good machine, one good machine. Yeah, I, I I couldn't believe when I when I saw it for real, you know. And I have to admit that I I I originally when I saw it on the pictures, I thought it was a little bit ugly. It was too narrow. I did too. Then, I'm not gonna lie, I did too, and I I didn't like. Uh, what I, what I really didn't like the most, and I haven't actually heard anyone talking about this, uh, is the difference between the prototype and the final. So if you look at the prototype that's got that orange canopy that they, like the 3D printed canopy that they displayed at Urcha last year, the, it's, it's, not, it's, it's shorter than the production model. And if you look at the way that the skids connect and where the battery is hanging, it's a completely different design between the... Um, uh, between the prototype and the final model, and I'm sure that those changes were made for stability uh, and rigidity. But aesthetically, I loved the look of the prototype. I was so excited, and when I finally saw the the actual production model, I it didn't have the same fluid, sexy look that the prototype did. But now, actually seeing it in person, I mean, obviously it's unassembled, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely grown on me, and I'm I'm really excited about it because I think you're right. Like the photographs don't really do. The canopy justice i don't think the canopy really photographs all that well to be honest yeah yeah i i agree and also you know when you see it finished i i couldn't believe it i it it's it, you know it flows really nice and you can you can really see the quality when 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 it's you know when it's completely assembled it's yeah it's a really good heli i i think um uh, but i've been you know i've been i've been daydreaming a lot you know, you know, if if I ever have the money to be able to 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 buy, you know, my my ideal fleet would be four big helis to take to the field. So um, I would have, of course, the five hundred. I would have the five seventy, of course, which I have today. I would get, of course, a Kraken. Uh, but I've been kind of like, um, what would I do? Because I have um, three thirty three hundreds that I used to fly on the five hundred. Uh, now I fly 4400s and 4500s. Mm -hmm. uh, so I basically keep the 3300s in a, you know, in the drawer. And I've been thinking, you know, I could buy one more of those and get two 12S packs for uh, an Oxy 5 Meg. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so that would be perfect. But then I think, you know, before the Kraken, I really, really, really wanted um, a 700T. Uh, which is, you know, we used to be the top of the line Goblin before the Kraken was released. 
And I'm thinking, hmm, you know, if I had the money, you know, would I buy an Oxy 5 Meg or should I just have two 700s, you know, which are the best flying helicopters and everyone who has 700s, you know, like, like Frank, you know, just flies all 700s because, you know, they fly better. So would it be better to have, you know, two 700s, the, my two favorite 700s, the 700T and the Kraken or... And the T is just... An excellent, yeah. excellent yeah. helicopter. I would have a hard time saying no to that one. Yeah, so that's that. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to have five because I don't. I, I, you know, even though I have more than, you know, more than those helicopters. You know, I have the T Rex and uh, the T Rex one fifty X and Nano was two. You know, they're they're more like practice helis. You know, they're not field helis. Um, uh, but I still think that four is kind of like the ideal number of helis to take to the field, uh, at least with the amount of time that I have. And also, if you go to an event, you know, because you're talking to people and, you know, um, uh, you know you're know, you not just flying back to back. It's kind of like the ideal number of helicopters because I pre-charge everything. So it's kind of like the ideal number of helicopters to fly and with enough, you know, variety. So I wouldn't want to have, you know, like five and not take them to the field. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So yeah. I've already got more helicopters than I can take to the field. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I, get, I completely get you on that one. Um, that's a tough choice, though. I can't, um, if I had to choose just four. Yeah, I yeah, know, I, I yeah me too, me too. But, uh, but you know, the good thing for me is that I, I, it's just a dream. <laughs> so I, I don't have to really worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no kidding. I don't have that problem either. It's just there's so many out there that I just, you know, I don't necessarily know if I want to own it, but I would totally love to fly it for a couple weeks. Like, you know, I'd love to see how a Henselit flies. I'd love to see how an HD750 flies. Yeah. You know, same thing with the logos. Like, I've, ne- you know, you hear nothing but great things about the logos. I've I've never flown one. Um, so, yeah, it's, it would be, if I had to choose four, you know, my only experiences are goblins, really, in large size, and, and then, like, in a, in a line. And I, I don't think I'd want a T-Rex if I could only choose four. But, um, yeah. And then there's the seven, you know, there's the Synergy 700s too that, uh, are yes. pretty highly, pretty highly rated. So I, I don't know. That'd be, man, again, good thing. It's not an actual problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Maybe when there's no mortgage one day. Yes. One day. But then, okay. but then your fingers won't react the same. That's true. If I didn't have to worry about the crash costs, I wouldn't get the handshakes, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that'll be enough for uh, our updates for us. And then we'll, we'll get some more updates from Frank and Scott on the next episode. But um, did you want to move into the, uh, the main topic? Yeah, let's okay. move on to the main topic. Okay. Which is how to get started in the hobby. You know, this is definitely not a new subject, right? There's uh, several episodes on this, and, and Javier, you did an excellent one on the sk- on the um, on the full pitch series. So, why don't you get us started off with that one? Okay, yeah, sure. You know, I think that one of the most difficult things uh, when when someone comes into you and and asks, you know, how to get into the hobby, because you know, it's 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 very difficult. Um, the only thing that I personally don't recommend at all is what many people say, you know, start with a big Kelly. Um, uh, you know, that, that to me is just something, you know, completely out of everything. 
just because you know big helis are not just really expensive and when you're getting into the hobby you know um if you crash and then you you're you're faced with a 500 dollar crash cost build you know you say you know i don't want this you know i, I don't want to be into these you know once you're two three years into it you have one heli or two helis and you get you know, one such uh, crash cost build, you know, you say, okay, I'll, I'm fine, I'll fight the other things, and I'll, I know that this is how it goes, you know. But, uh, but you know, at the beginning, it's very hard. So, so that's one, one thing, you know, the, the crash cost of, uh, of course, when you begin, it's very, very simple to crash because of a lot of things. Um, but not also that because, of course, safety, right? I mean, we talked about this uh, last episode, you know, getting hit by a, by a helicopter is no joke. Um, you know, uh, if getting hit by a by, by a 450 stretch size is bad, <laughs> um, you know, um, you know, a 500 or bigger, you know, is death. So um, right, right. A 450 could kill you. A 600 will kill you. Right. You know. <laughs> right. So so you so you know I I I understand why people say that, and it's mostly people that have been in the hobby for a long time because. You know, back in the day, that's all you could do, right? I mean, there there was no 200 electric size heli that flew fine that you could just pick up and, and get there and fly and practice, right? I mean, all if you wanted to fly a helicopter, you had to go buy a Raptor 30, you know? So so it's 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 very different, you know, from 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 before. I get it. Uh, I, I think that it's good that we have options, right? So today we have a, we we have we have several options. Um, of course, the one thing that I would absolutely recommend to anyone starting in the hobby is the simulator, um, and and that's the very first thing that I say to anyone. You want to experience the hobby, you know, get a twenty dollar cheapo uh, controller, uh, USB controller that looks and feels like a, like a like a radio transmitter that, you know, has a USB cable that they sell in Amazon um, and get a free trial of, uh, say, HeliX or Accuracy or whatever, load it up, check it out. You know, that, that's all you need. $20 to, to sample a hobby, I think, is very good. Um, yeah, and the uh, the free trial of, um, of HeliX, I used that for a couple months before I actually bought the full version and it is. I mean, it it has the it has the full, um, yeah. It has the full flight mechanics. You know, it's not like it's limited that way. It's really just just one model Correct. and one background. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a that's a great idea. I mean, you can you can get started and you can learn your orientations. And I know that there is, you know, there is that excitement of of wanting to actually fly something. And you know, flying the flying the sim can be a bit boring and can kind of has its own way of turning people off if it's the only thing that they do. So it kind of needs to be a balance, right, between uh, get a good sim, but then also get a really inexpensive helicopter that you can actually fly. And then if you do crash it, it's not the it's not the end of the world, um, right? And right. actually, and one thing that I think I still remember this because I've you know I think both of us are still relatively new to the hobby um, in the grand scheme of things. I remember when I first started and I bought the MCPX and I was like, man, this thing's two hundred dollars for a piece of plastic that's six inches long. I mean, that just seemed completely unreasonable to me. And now, you know, if you crash and you buy a new set of blades and the blades are $120, you don't really even blink an eye. It's like, oh, okay, well, I got to buy some blades. So the longer that you're in it and you kind of view it as an actual, 
like, I mean, I view the hobby as like a component of my life. You know, I don't mind spending the money on it because it's something that I really, really enjoy. Uh, if you don't have that attachment to it, the costs will seem outrageous um, at first. And that's another reason to stay away from a large helicopter, because if you're just getting into something that you don't know if you're going to like or not, you don't want to be dropping a thousand dollars on right. on something just to get started. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. And and to me uh, personally, the one thing that I I would recommend to anyone, uh, you know, as a first helicopter would be a 230S. Uh, to me, you know, it's it's big enough to feel not like a toy. Uh, it's small enough and super cheap to crash and super easy to fix. And you can buy it as a full package, you know, with the radio, uh, with uh, with one with one battery, with a charger and the helicopter ready to fly, I think under $300. I think that that's very reasonable. The new one has an up has the has the fixed tail motor, right, tail yes. motor, right, where it doesn't blow out all the time. Yeah. And does it have carbon fiber frames now? No, it's uh, all plastic, um, and and it's it, man, it's so. I had the the the, fir the first version of that helicopter, and you know it's so easy to fix. I mean, it's 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 unreal. Um, it's really. I think that it's one of the best helicopters that Blade has ever designed, to be honest with you, just because it fits that need. Uh, you know, they they uh, they sell the entire head completely assembled, so you don't have to worry about the order of the thrust bearings, if you put them on backwards or not, you know, if they put the right pressure on the spindle or not, you know, you don't have to worry about any of that. You can just buy the entire head completely assembled from the factory. The... Uh, the the pitch linkages are are fixed length, so you know you don't have to worry also about that. I mean, you just need to worry about centering the servos, and that's it. You know, it's it's so easy to fix that you know someone with a very low skill level, which is what you end up starting out as, you know, is perfect. Um, even even with blades, you know, really bad manuals, it's really easy and. Uh, it sells so well that if you know that Helifrick exists, you know, there's a ton of people that can help you out. It's, uh, I think it's the ideal helicopter for anyone starting out. So, you know, you should get uh, yourself assembled, you know, with a sim to see if you like it. Then go for a 230S and then, you know, whatever path takes you on forward. Um, I think that to me, that's the that's the best way to get started. Well, it's and it's interesting that you you mentioned you can get a radio from Amazon for uh, for cheap. I didn't actually know that. I was uh, my nephew's tenth birthday um, was last week, and I was going to get him. I was going to give him my copy of Phoenix that I had. Uh, I couldn't find the dongle, so I ended up not actually doing that. But I was going to you know I was looking for a cheap DXI on uh, a DX6i on like Craigslist or something that I could give to him. I didn't realize that you could get one from Amazon. So I might give him a belated extra birthday present, um, with a, uh, with just the radio and then just install, install HeliX on it. Cause I know <laughs> whenever I, whenever I go visit their, their family, I usually bring my laptop and my transmitter with me and I just let him play on it. Cause he, he enjoys, he enjoys the SIM and he's, he's pretty impressed with the 570 that it's almost as big as he is. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no. I, if they had had the two thirty when I started, I uh, I definitely would have liked to have gone down that route because I, I went from the MCPX to a Blade four fifty three D, and you know I just I, I was no good <laughs> at, at, at tuning it or fixing it or 
uh, it didn't really fly well out of the box and I didn't know how to make it fly well. So I ended up just selling it and getting in a line and then it had its own problems and I was kind of thrust into this world of there's so many different things that I, I don't know how they work and um, I had to learn how to fix them after I crashed it. And I think that there's some merit in doing and learning, you know, learning by repairing. Um, but also it would have been nice to have at least a modicum of skill of flying it before I moved into that because then it was, you know, well, I don't know how to fly and I don't know how to fix and that just kind of sucked, but I still kept on going through it because it, it still fascinated me. So there's, you know, there's going to need to be some, <laughs> some, some tenacity to push through the, the, uh, the learning curve at some point. As yes. Well. Yes. And I think you touched on a good point, Paul, because you know, there's think, think about what, what would drive you out of the hobby, you know? It would drive you out of the hobby having something that you just got that, you know, it, it, it's all of a sudden you have to spend this whole bunch of money for something that you just purchased, right? So you you buy something and you don't expect it to break, you know, the first 30 seconds you use it and then have to spend like, you know, a ton of money on it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you you don't know what to do. I mean, you don't know how to fix it. You take a look at the manual, <laughs> and there's zero information how to fix it. You know, there's just a, an exploded an exploded view of how the parts fit together. But other than that, you know, it's really difficult. If you if you broke a a, a servo a servo arm, good luck because you you know you know or or a new servo. I mean, good luck. You have to recenter that yeah. servo and. You don't really know how because the instructions don't tell you how to do that. Well, you probably will go on the on the phone with Horizon Hobby and, and and they'll point you in the right direction. But you know, if you go into a kit heli, uh, you know, uh, or a more complex heli, um, you know, something that has uh, a uh, a pitch tail, you know, a servo driven tail, uh, you, you know, it gets much more complex instead of you know just having a motor driven tail that you just connect a couple of wires and that's it so you know to to a beginner the best way is you know to give him something that's inexpensive and something that is easy to repair uh and something that that is you know very inexpensive to repair and to maintain um so right so so basically everything that the 130x is not Yes, yes, and and most helis, you know, most helis are like that. Uh, uh, and I think that you touched on on another good thing um, that that we should also discuss. And I we touched on it last time, but you know, bling. Oh yeah, uh, that that's everyone. Everyone is everyone is a sucker for the bling when they get started. Yes, yes, and, and that is the worst mistake. <laughs> it's like, come on, the aluminum tailbox is only thirty seven dollars. Why would I not buy it? It's just like you know, like 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 a, a teenager that's starting to build credit and start to get credit cards. You know, it's you know, it, it, it's just <laughs> like that. It's a trap. You know, it's it's a trap. It is a trap. So it's so yeah. And it's it serves a purpose though, right? Because honestly, you know, we talk about cost and value and everything, but there's such a small niche market that uh, we, <laughs> like all the money that we're giving them is helping to produce more more helicopters. So I. I, st I stay away from the bling per personally, but at the same time, like I know that that's fueling the heli industry to some degree, so it's got its place, you know. 
Yes, yes, it does. It does. And and there's nothing wrong with it once, you know, you know that you're not going to keep on crashing and keep on replacing that expensive part. Because all Blink does is uh, increase your crash costs. I mean, that that's all it does. Because, I mean, when you're beginning, you don't have the skills to, real, to really note the difference between a, 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 a high-performance part and a regular plastic part. I mean, you don't really see, you will not notice the difference at all, except probably that your helicopter will be heavier. <laughs> and yet, then you'll probably, then you'll probably notice. That's what I love about those companies is that, you know, you can buy a full carbon fiber aluminum upgrade for a Nano S2. It's like, thing only weighs, thing only weighs like 30 yeah, grams. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to triple the weight, yeah. Then you need to upgrade the motor because if not, it won't lift up. <laughs> All right, so moving on uh, to LiPos. So, of course, um, you know, electric helicopters are fueled by LiPos, which is the latest technology until something else comes along, um, which is a, you know, for the power output that it has, uh, you know, it's it, it cannot be beat, right? I mean, so it has an insane amount of output power uh, that can fuel the the, the, the power hungry motors and servos of today's of today's helicopters to allow them to do what they can do. So, um, but but at the same time, because they are uh, so powerful, they're all they're also dangerous. There's a lot of energy on those things, which I found out very abruptly and very suddenly, and I now have a healthy respect for how much power two amps actually is when it discharges all at once in your hand. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that a, a good thing to discuss would be, you know, you're going to, if you're going to deal with a, a, a lithium polymer batteries, you're going to have to learn a bare minimum of electronics theory, um, you know, volts, amps, watts, uh, that's pretty much it. But that is, you know, if you're not coming from an engineering background, that might be something that you've never really dealt with before in the term, in the sense of having to calculate it. Even though it's not difficult, it's it's also um, not necessarily intuitive if you're not used to it. And one thing that was insanely helpful for me is the series of articles on rchelicopterfund.com, uh, uh, John Salt, I believe, where he goes over the you know from the very basics uh, all the way up to some more complex topics, how exactly these batteries work, how you're supposed to charge them, what the voltage levels mean, um, what the um, what the C rate of a battery means, and then how you can start to charge things faster if you um, if you start to hook them up uh, together. So that is definitely a series of articles that I would I would recommend reading, even though it's uh, they're fairly lengthy. Uh, they're still you know just wonderful resources, uh, but we could you know we still should talk about it here as well. So um, on the theory side, Javier, what um, what would you say you know the very first thing that you need to know? Um, before you get started, with the number of cells, right, and how those how those interact with, uh, with the uh, well, I guess that 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 the, the, there's there's tons of things to to know to know about batteries, but I guess that you're right. The first thing that you need to know is that uh, batteries come into cells, um, and uh, basically the 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 more amount of cells that a battery has, the more power output that it has. So the, the 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 problem with this is that basically you can you can have two problems. If you have a battery that is uh, too little 
powerful, I guess you could say, then it won't lift your helicopter off the ground. If you have a battery that is too powerful, then your helicopter head will spin too fast and it will go out of control. So you have to make sure that you know your power system is uh, matched to your battery capacity. Usually, and again, you're going back to, you know, we're talking about people starting out, right? Uh, people that, that really don't know uh, where to start, you know, what are the best best first helicopters and you know what do you need to know to handle these types of batteries and again i go back i sound like a, a rep for blade but uh, but I'm, I'm i'm really not i just i just think that it's so well thought out you know the the again the 230s the 230s is is a practical no-brainer um because it has the battery that you need already included if you want more batteries just buy that exact battery uh, because of course there's options you can have uh, batteries that have the same amount of cells but of more capacity so that it has the same power output but for longer amount of time so basically it translates into more flight time uh, but but also you you would need to know uh, because of course when you buy a charger a battery charger is not designed for a specific type of battery. A battery charger allows you to charge a variety of batteries, which means that you have to tell the charger wh what what your battery capacity is and where you where your cell is, and there's some math involved in that to make sure that you're charging the battery at the proper capacity. Because if you charge the, the battery at the wrong capacity, then you, you, you risk overcharging it and creating a fire, basically, uh, a lipo fire. So uh, the C-rate uh, is, well, either the amount of power that can go into the battery or the amount of power that can be exerted out of the battery. Um, usually, we are concerned more about the amount of power that goes into the battery. Um, so a very very simple calculation is uh, just with the, with the capacity of the, of the battery, which is given on uh, milliamp per hours. So if you have uh, and the rule of thumb is very simple, just basically divide by a thousand. So if you have uh, a one thousand milliamp battery, then you just have to ch so your one C is one amp basically, uh, and uh, you know the. Battery charges allow you to select how many amps you want to charge your battery at. Um, so the the your nominal one C would be basically just whatever uh, milliamp hours you have on the capacity of your battery uh, divided by one thousand, and that gives you the the amperage rate you should charge it at. Which one time that is one C. If you want to charge it um, at twice the capacity, and that, um, you know, uh, what you said, Paul, you know, we, if, when you're starting out, you know, don't don't play around with these. Just charge it at nominal 1C. Uh, there's batteries that can be charged at more than 1C. Uh, you know, higher-end batteries can be charged up to 5C, although that degrades the battery and reduces the life of the battery. But it allows you to charge it faster. Yeah, even though I have batteries that are capable of being charged at a higher rate, I still don't. You know, I still charge at one C. And when I first got into the uh, into the hobby, that was actually another thing that um, I found frustrating. You know, I had a I had a cheap charger 
that I believe came with my Ready to Fly um, uh, Blade 450 kit, actually. And it could charge one battery at a time, and it took about 45 minutes to completely charge the battery. And it was a, a 3S battery, I believe. And so I remember thinking, you know, this is ridiculous. If I want to go fly, you know, more than, you know, let's say four or five minutes, it's going to take me 45 minutes. So if I want to get three batteries and go fly for um, for a little bit, it's going to take me three hours to charge that. And that was a, a really big hindrance for me. So I would find myself like actually not going to fly because I just didn't feel like charging, sitting there with charging for three hours. And um, they sell these uh, parallel charging harnesses, which again gets into a bit more math um, about how you actually calculate what you can, what you can, uh, how much current you can put into them. But essentially, when you get a parallel harness, you can hook up, you know, as many up to six batteries at once. And according to your charger, it's just one big battery. So if you have six 1,000 milliamp batteries, instead of charging it at one at uh, at one amp, you can actually charge it at six amps if your charger is capable of actually outputting that much power. Uh, and that is another calculation that needs to be taken into account is the wattage of your charger. Um, because you might have a cluster of six batteries and say, hey, I can charge at six amps, but if, you're, if your um, charger is not capable of putting out that much power, it's just going to limit it, and you're going to be able to charge those six batteries, but not in the same amount of time that you think you'd be able to take, that you'd be right. able to charge them in. Right, so that, there's, there's a lot of complexity that can go into charging, um, so, but, but, you know, just to keep it simple, just, uh, you know, a beginner should just charge at 1C. Um, and, and just just make that simple calculation. Um, if you're flying, you know, small helicopters, it's not a big deal. You know, um, I uh, when when I started out, the charger that I purchased that I needed uh, to use uh, for my 360 CFX was a Profit charger. You know, it's 50 watts output. Costs I think like fifty dollars or something. You know, very inexpensive, very easy uh, because also chargers. Um, you know, very higher end chargers have a separate charger unit and then a separate power supply. And you have to make sure that, you know, your power supply is going to be able to feed your, 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 your charger and to output that much capacity, as you said, depending on, on, on your battery. So the more, the, the bigger, the, the bigger the battery, um, the, the more cells that it has, the more power that it needs to be able to be charged. And of course, the higher um, uh, uh, milliamp hours capacity that it has, it's the longer that it takes to charge. And of course, if you want to decrease that time, you have to increase your power. So you have to size all that, which uh, it's uh, uh, it's simple math, but you know you you need to know how to calculate it. So to to make it simple, I would just say you know get a, get a simple charger that does that that has a a power supply included so basically that you can just hook up directly into the wall outlet without any external power supply that's going to be the easiest and beginning you know you're going to be dealing mostly with 3s probably 4s batteries um but you know of, of very small capacity so it's not going to be a big deal you don't need like a super nice charger although there's also you know the 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 conundrum that you know if you're starting out on the hobby, it's a big investment to get up to, you know, a nice charger, a nice radio, and then on top of that, a nice helicopter, and the nice tools. That It, it just start, starts piling up. 
And then you say, you know, why didn't I just buy a very high-end charger from the beginning? You know, I would have avoided all these little steps. I think that it's easy to overlook, though, how much you learn in between the moment of knowing how to use the high-end equipment and, you know, not necessarily needing it, but buying it at the very beginning. Um, so I, I get the idea that, you know, you, you could save costs by just going straight to the higher end model. But like if I had jumped straight into, let's say, the Gropner transmitter that I'm using right now, I would have no earthly idea what to do with it. And it's the, you know, two or three years of experience that I have using the other transmitters that makes me, you know, it makes it easier for me to jump into that. And it's the same thing with the charger. And I actually have, I actually have two chargers now. I've got one that I've had for years and I got one that I've um, bought within the last two years uh, or last year or so that's um, much, much more powerful so I use that one. It's got a 1,000, I think it's a 1,000 watt power supply. It's an iCharger, which is an excellent brand. Um, definitely recommend that for a higher end charger. And I have that one in the garage where I charge my 6S batteries that I used for the, the 570. But then I have one in my office that I keep a close eye on when it's charging, but it, it'll charge my tiny 450, you know, 450 milliamp batteries that I use for the 150S. Um, and I have parallel boards hooked up on both of those, but there's a, I would say a substantial risk of <laughs> fire with some of the larger batteries. And so I, I tend to charge those on a concrete floor outside uh, versus some of the smaller ones. You know, I don't mind charging those inside as long as I'm yeah. in the same room yeah. with it. Yeah, so that, so yeah, there's 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 that that idea. But that, but I think that, that, that that's a good, uh, you know, train of thought, I guess you could say. To, you know, go through those little steps. Don't go, don't do, don't do too many steps because indeed, you know, it's going to end up piling up and you're going to say, oh, you know, I, I spent all this money and I could have gone directly to that. So I think that just like one step is good. That is true. That is true. You don't want to, you don't want to make too many incremental upgrades at full price, right? <laughs> right, right. So just make like one jump that teaches you, you know, there's very good charges in the market. The, you know, Pulse came out with uh, their charges that don't need an external power supply. And are pretty beefy. I mean, they can they can go up to you know charge a decent size 6s battery at one C, you know, uh, you know, and do it very well. So, uh, you know, one of those could be a good second charger for most people, um, and uh, or or even a first charger for most people. Uh, and then you don't go go for a regular one, you know, like an like an R charger or a Revelectrix or you know. Um, some of the higher end chargers that have external power supplies that, uh, that 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 allow you to charge parallel packs. You know now you can charge two uh, two six six success packs and you know be ready quicker. So um, so yeah, I mean don't do don't do too many steps, but uh, but for sure uh, try to um, try try to get some middle ground. And you know there's a lot of people willing to help. Um, and, uh, you know, it would, it would be probably a, 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 you know, a good idea to, you know, um, in here kind of like outline, you know, what we've won so far, you know, we've gone, um, a, a, a simulator, a free demo of a simulator with a very inexpensive, uh, transmitter to get started. Then a 230S to, um, uh, to get started as a small helicopter that includes everything you need. If you want a charger to start uh, dwelling into parallel charging or into a little bit higher capacity packs um, or to charge faster, you know, I think that one of those Pulse uh, chargers is, is a very good choice 
nowadays uh, that can help you achieve that. So I think that right now I think that's what where we're at. So if you were if we were talking to a beginner, that's probably the first steps that we would go. How what do you think? I'd say one more, and that would be a good set of drivers. Ah, good point. Yeah, and I, I bought one, and this is where I definitely agree with you on the, you know buy once and that's it. So I, I bought a set of drivers years ago, and I'm still using them. They were the Align, I think they were the Align set. Uh, and they're just fantastic. Now I've heard that there's um, there's better drivers on the market, and maybe one day I'll replace them with like the Scorpion or the SAB drivers. But uh, if you buy a good set of drivers, they'll last you pretty much your entire time in the hobby if if you uh, if you take good care of them. And my my toolkit for uh, for for heli repair tools started out in one tackle box and has grown to four tackle boxes worth of crap. I mean, I just have I have. I have floss, I have electrical tape, I have solder, I have soldering tips, um, you know, uh, Velcro, all sorts of isolation tape. I mean, there's just so much stuff that you accumulate. But really, the only stuff that you really need is, uh, if you're building a helicopter, you definitely need some blue Loctite. But you can really get away, um, you can get pretty far with some blue Loctite in a set of drivers, in my opinion. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so that that's a good point. You know, what what do you need? Uh, when, when I started out... Uh, you know, I got the. You know, I started out with Blade, so my first choice, of course, was the the, the driver set that Blade sells, that has you know um, hex drivers and uh, Phillips screwdrivers and flat drivers. Those are really, really bad quality. Um, the problem, uh, you know, and 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 probably, uh, you know, someone you you know someone that's beginning would wonder, you know, why. Why do I need to buy good drivers? You know, it's easy. Uh, if you buy bad drivers, uh, the the material on the on on the driver tip will start to degenerate pretty quickly or deform pretty quickly, which means that you will start killing your bolts as you start to try to get them uh, because they won't be the proper size. They won't be, you know, hanging on to the to the to the head as they should, they will st- actually start deforming the head of your bolt, which means that eventually you won't be able to get the bolts out of your helicopter. <laughs> so, uh, so that's where a good driver comes into place uh, because if those, if that shape remains, then you won't damage your 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 bolts, and it'll be far easier to assemble and disassemble. So it's just uh, you know uh, very 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 basic. Uh, I think a good uh, tool to have from the very beginning, for sure. Yeah. And I I ran into that the very first kit that I... um, Well, I purchased a a used heli as my first... I I hate to say real helicopter, but my first foray outside of Blade was a uh, a, a used uh, Align T-Rex 450. And I think that entire kit had stripped bolts. (laughs) Because the first time I crashed it, I couldn't get any of the bolts out. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's and you know, kind of leads us into um, if you are buying a used helicopter, or if you're just even if you're buying a ready to fly one, and those things do go through quality control, but you still want to check it before you fly it. You know, what is a good list of things? Um, I'd say more so on the used kit rather than the ready to fly kit, but still good things to check. Like, what would be a good series of or a good checklist you think to uh, to run through? before you take something out to fly for the first time? Uh, 
Uh, well, it it depends what what you're getting into. If you if you're talking about you know one of these small ready to fly helicopters that you could probably that you probably got used or that you want to check, you don't need great things because most of the parts are actually plastic, which have uh, self uh, self threading bolts. So that's usually not big a, not not too big of an issue. If you're getting into a little bit of a higher end, what we call kit helicopters, uh, then you would need to start looking at other things. Uh, personally, what I would do, and that many people uh, also do, which is a very good practice, is basically tear down the entire thing. Um, it it helps you to understand how the model works, how it is built, what are probably some of the things that you want to you know, uh, be careful on, uh, check on, uh, that, that allows you also to check, you know, if there's bad bearings, uh, you know, a bearing is bad if it, if, if it feels notchy or if it feels, you know, that it's not smoothly rotating. Um, so, so you want to change those bearings because that is a vibration issue waiting to happen. Uh, so I think you might run into a, a kind of a chicken or the egg situation here, though, because if you, like, I know the first time I bought a, a, a used that, that used T Rex, I was actually scared to take it apart because I didn't know if I'd be able to put it back together again. Uh, and it, it seemed like you know there's a lot of things that were done in a very specific order, and if I just started randomly pay, taking pieces off and and cleaning them and making sure they were tightened, I wouldn't necessarily know how to put it together exactly as it should uh, because I'd never built a helicopter before. And I think that becomes very, very easy to do. Like now, I, I've bought, I haven't bought a used heli in a while, but um, the last time I bought one, yeah, I completely stripped it down, cleaned everything, made sure I actually replaced a couple bolts and, you know, redid the setup and everything. Um, but that's not a trivial series of tasks for someone who's looking at a brand, you know, looking at it for the first time. Yes, yes. And that's, and that's why uh, I think that that's part of the, of the steps that we, that, that we're talking about. If, if you are going to dis- to completely disassemble a heli, a, a kit grade heli that has you know aluminum parts and it's a little bit higher end, um, it shouldn't be your first one, um, because because indeed I mean you're gonna buy something uh, and that's another trap probably you know you go in and to Craigslist or you know eBay or whatever and you buy you know what looks like a good helicopter and you buy it used. And then you don't know what to do with it. Um, so, or you fly it and it gets destroyed the first time uh, because it was improperly assembled, or because the one that sold it to you assumes that you know how to set it up. So, you know that 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 is that is also you know a big trap. I think you don't want to learn how to fly and how to fix, which is why you know I I absolutely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, and yeah, most people go through that, <laughs> um, but, but that's where the two thirty S again. You know, it's <laughs> I I I really am a, an SAB fanboy, uh, and uh, I'm not really a, a you know, uh, you know, flying for for Horizon hobby or anything. But that thing, I think, is perfect. You know, uh, well, I I think that um, I think that this is more on the end of. Uh you know, let's say you've, you're ready to progress beyond the 230, because I completely agree with you. Yeah, you definitely want to start with something like the 230 or the 150 in this in the sense. Um, but if you're ready to make that next step, is the best way to build a kit or to buy a kit? I think that the best way is to buy a kit, uh, you know, brand new, uh, because 
you get all that uh, guesswork out of uh, out of the way. You know, uh, you don't you don't actually you don't even know what you're looking for, right? I mean, you you don't even know what to what to look for. You don't even know when something is good and when something is bad. Um, when when you when you're first starting, so if you buy something used. You know, you you you're running a very high risk. Yes, you didn't have to assemble it, but then, you know, God knows what's wrong with it. So, um, I think that the best way that someone growing into the hobby, you know, they've already got their two thirty S, they've flown it, they crashed it, they've uh, they've reset it, they've done a whole bunch of things of it with it. They're ready to progress to the next step. I think that the best way is to buy a kit. Um, that 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 and and you know and get a a kit like an oxy or like a goblin that you know it, it you know goblin three eighty of course or or a fireball you don't want to go you know any any higher than that. Um, but something that you know has a very good user manual. You know, Oxy and, uh, and 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 Goblin, you know, have excellent user manuals. You know, full color, step by step. They give you how to configure the your your transmission. Uh, they give you how to con you know some tips on your gains. You know, there's a whole bunch of information on in those manuals. So, get something new that you know from. I think either of, the, of these two brands are good. You know, any brand is good, but I think that those two have the best manuals and they have a very high uh, user base so that you can also get help. Uh, but I think also that something that, you know, is a very good advice is if you if you start flying and you start going into like a club, uh, a flying club and join there and start talking to the guys, you know, try to get what people are flying. So that way, you know, you can get local help. So if people are flying, you know, Alliance, then, you know, buy a 450 as your first helicopter, you know, and people will highly likely help you, uh, you know, any questions you have. If you're, uh, if you're in Florida, buy a Goblin, <laughs> because it seems like, like most people own Goblins there. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 but, but for sure, you know, I think that the best advice that, that, that we could give to someone on that at that stage of progression is to get a brand new kit heli because that's 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 the best way you know um, and oxy and goblin you know on the first page they say okay so you're gonna need these pliers you're gonna need these drivers you're gonna need this loctite you're gonna need this you're gonna need this ca i mean they tell you what you need uh the bare basics of what you need to to be able to Put that a helicopter together, and then all the electronic setup, uh, of course, is not covered under under the manual. That just deals with you know the the physical assembly of the kit. But you know if uh, if you've already gone through uh, through a smaller heli and crashed it and had to reset recenter a servo or something, you have some sort of idea. So you could start going, um, you know, into resources like, uh, like, like what, what is that that web page fall that, that has that all that information? Oh yeah, RC Helicopter Fun. I I lived I lived on that on that website for a while. I, I think that there's a you know it's it's that jump between the very structured path that Blade provides for you into the the wider world of you know 
pick a kit, pick your electronics. There's a huge, there's a huge um, a jump between moving from a 230s to even an Oxy2 because the moment that you decide to build an Oxy2, well, you have to learn about speed controllers, setting them up, calibrating them. You have to learn about governors. You have to learn about fly barless controllers, how to tune one, how to you know go through and set all that up, how to do your own blade tracking, your pitch setup, your links. Your there's there's so many things that you're confronted with that you can kind of get away with not knowing with a blade. And so I think really the most important thing during that step is to realize that it's going to be a kind of a long process and to go into it with the mindset that you're really just learning about all this stuff and not to expect to get a, a flyable heli within a week. Um, I think it took me over a month to build my first actual kit from the ground up. Uh, and I actually built the helicopter and then programmed the electronics completely separately. Um, so, you know, cause learning how to program and hook up all the electronics is, is an equally massive task for someone who's never done it before. And it's nice to have those completely separated from the airframe so that you don't have to worry about, you know, assembling everything and then have to take it apart, put it back on. Um, so this is a, it's going to be a journey for the very first time that you're doing it. Uh, and then I would say if you're trying to choose a kit to make it easier, the oxys usually come with a recommended or they sell a recommended electronics package, which is really, really nice. Because, you know, if you send out on the forum a question of, well, what electronics should I use? The answer is going to be, well, what do you want? And if you don't know what you want, you can't really answer that question. Uh, so it's really nice that I think that, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if, uh, I think the like the Fireball and the Comet do it, yes. right? Yep, the Fireball the fireball comes on a combo with uh, with the Servos and the ESE. Yeah. So so yeah. And 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 for that reason, I think that Align is has they really kind of set the uh, set the tone for that the, the the super combos. You don't have to worry about whether or not this motor is going to work with the CSC. Um, you know, the servos are all everything is designed to work together as a as a package. And so, picking one of the helicopters that has one of those packages, at least for your first one, um, would definitely be something that I would recommend because I I have bought. A motor that wasn't compatible with the ESC, and I should have known better. But I could easily see the overwhelming variety of you know, like a like a indecision paralysis kind of thing. You know, when you're confronted with all these different choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I was I was thinking as as as, as we were talking about this that there could be one more intermediate step. Oh yeah, um, because you know thinking about you know my own selfish experience. Um, you know, I think that a good intermediate, you know, point would also be another blade, um, because blade already comes with everything, right? Uh, you don't have to worry about that, but you could learn how to program because that's what I did. You know, I I learned how to program a flyberless controller by disassembling a blade and by upgrading the firmware, which basically erased the entire flyberless controller. Oh, I do remember you mentioning that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so uh, so I think that that's also, you know, a good a good probably intermediate step before jumping into a kit because when you jump into a kit you have to let you know like you said, you know, you have to choose which brand of governor do you want? You want to, cho- to choose which brand of servos do you want? You want to choose what a brand of motor are you going to use? You know, all, all of these different variants that some of these kits may recommend or may already have included for you, but you still, you know, don't know how everything, you know, kind of ties up together, right? Um, but if you if, if you learn with something like a Blade, uh, like, you know, like a 360 CFX or like a Fusion or, you know, 360 or, or even probably a Fusion 180 or something like that, I'm, I think that, 
you can learn how how everything comes together. You know, what are the different parts of the of the helicopter? Uh, you know, it has like brand name, um, uh, some 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 brand name electronics in some cases, uh, and then you can you can you can kind of start uh, you know dwelling on that, and if it has a full full fibers controller, then you know you can just learn how to program the head, how to set up the pitch, um, how to do that, and then it's just kind of like a middle ground. Um, uh, and then you have to just worry about you know choosing your own electronics, but at least you have an idea of you know which size CSC goes, which which with with which size motor, you know things like that. I don't know. I mean, it it sounds like it might be a, a good intermediate step. I think it's a great idea actually. And so I, I know that you were talking from your experience about um, was it the AR seventy two hundred? Is that or the AR seventy two ten? Is that um, what you were programming? Yes, yes, the 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 seventy two hundred. Yes. Okay, so what I, I could take it one step further and say, you know, if you're going to be moving from, say, a, um, I think the 360 CFX still comes fully assembled, right? It's not a kit. Yes, it comes fully assembled. Okay, and that's the, that's the biggest one that they make that's fully assembled yeah. now. So if you are going to make the move to a kit and you want to start exploring different flywireless controllers, what you could do is just replace the FBL from the blade unit and into something that you know you'd like to carry over uh, to your next helicopter. And I'm actually going to, I've actually been thinking about doing that with my 150, actually. You know, I, I really like it. I'm not a huge fan of the um, the AS3X controller. So I was thinking about just putting a Spirit Micro on it because I know there's a lot of people that do that with the, um, with like the 180s CFX and stuff like that. So if you were to take a ready-to-fly helicopter and then just pick a fly bar list that, fly bar list that you like uh, and throw it on that, then you could run through and get familiar with the setup process and the tuning process uh, in isolation, and then when you move to your new kit, you could just you know take that f or buy another FBL of the same brand. Uh, I know Icon has a micro, uh, Spirit has a micro. I'm, I'm not quite sure if any of the other ones have one that's small enough to fit on like a 180 CFX, but that would be a good way to be able to, you know, like you said, target these things in isolation, so you're not confronted yeah. with all of yeah. the stuff all at once. All right. Okay, uh, what else can you think about, Paul? I think that's a very good uh, kind of like, um, I mean, of course, most of our listeners are probably people that, you know, are already in the hobby that have gone through this process. But I think that it's still good to either recommend it to someone, you know, who 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 wants to begin into the hobby or to get this knowledge, you know, and uh, provide it to people when they pop those questions, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I would imagine that, like you said, most of the people that would even be aware of the fact that there is a podcast that's talking about helicopters would already be pretty, you know, neck deep in it. Uh, but at the same time, there's always people that are joining that are trying to decipher a very well-structured and close-knit community from the outside looking in uh, and to have a beginner's guide that really breaks down a lot of the things that are, you know, confusing to people that have never seen it before is something that is hugely useful. And I really wish I had had that because you can go onto a forum and you can ask questions. Um, sometimes you'll get actual, you know, well thought out responses and sometimes you'll get use the search bar, which is the least helpful thing that literally anyone can, can ever tell you if you're new to, if you're new to something. So I think that this type of information or, or especially just a conversation about this information is going to be really, really relevant. Um, Probably not to the average listener of Helic podcasts, but hopefully it could be, you know, it could be used to point someone in the right direction. Right. 
Right. I agree. I agree. All right. Okay. So let's see. We've got um. So you know, obviously, we want to do uh, updates with uh, Frank and Scott when we do part two of this. So we can. Um, we'll probably skip the events portion. I know Frank uh, spent uh, a weekend out at which uh, which fun fly was it, Javier? Do you remember? Uh, Fall Heli Down. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing um, uh, to hearing about his experience, and we'll do that next time. But we can probably do. I think that uh, it makes sense if we just did the news section and then wrapped uh, and then wrapped it up. So what's been going on in the world of helis? Yes. So. Uh... Uh, let's see what uh, what has been going on lately on on the hobby. Um, well, of course the the yellow kraken, 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 yes. kraken, 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 kraken. My kraken. gosh, that's that that's the machine <laughs> that I. Oh my gosh, that's I, all that's been going on is kraken. <laughs> it's it's an amazing machine. Yeah, and you know, um, people are 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 releasing those amazing uh, uh, sick paint jobs, but you know, SAB came up with their own. Um, the the yellow kraken that also is not just a color um, and I was actually listening to the BKRC podcast today and they say that um, you know usually it was just designed to be an add-on parts kit so and not even a kit just the parts so if you wanted to change your your kraken and uh, make it uh, yellow instead of orange then you could just buy the parts. But um, in addition to that, they changed the weight on it uh, to uh, to make it lighter. So actually the yellow uh, pieces of the Kraken are lighter than the orange pieces of the Kraken. And uh, there's also a titanium uh, spindle and main shaft that also are designed to reduce overall weight on the helicopter. Um, how much does that guy cost? <laughs> well, um, I think it's like eighty dollars more than uh, than the regular kit because they you. Sh- I mean, if you wanted to buy just the parts, they were yes more expensive than the regular parts uh, because they were kind of like upgrades. But apparently, people were asking for the actual full kit, so they came out with a full kit of um, of of those parts already on the kit for a new yellow kraken. Which is like eighty bucks more, uh, which is much less than if you actually purchased just individual parts. Do you know how much lighter the entire kit is? Is, is that uh... well? That's the question that everyone is making, and that's uh, you know what they said on the on, on the Biki podcast is you know we don't know exact we cannot tell you exactly how much lighter it is because there's some uh, variation you know in the manufacturing processes that. You, what it may, may not always be the, exa- the same exact weight difference uh, versus the orange cracking, but it's lighter, okay. basically. <laughs> basically, the answer is it's lighter. Well, the good thing is this also looks badass. So there's you know there's that there's that too. Yeah, it it is nice. Although I I I personally prefer the orange. I would be I would be at odds if I could buy one because it's too similar to the Drake. Uh, but uh, you know, I love or I, I love how orange just looks in the sky. I mean, I I, I really like it. Uh, so, uh, well, the uh, the new colors from from Mikado, like the new canopies, those those they've got. There's an orange one that just pops like crazy. It looks awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. orange is is good color. And then, so for more Kraken news, I saw um, an image of the. Uh, I guess is it. A prototype like the the nitro kraken where did that one come from 
Well, I I actually reached out to to Scott Graham um, or Graham Graham I don't know um, uh, who is uh, who is the one that has that helicopter that posted that, and he he also has the badass black and white one. Correct. Yes, he's the same one. Yes, they should make that as an official kit. That thing is gorgeous. It's so cool looking. The, I I agree. It it looks amazing. It looks amazing. Um, but the uh, the which. To be honest with you, I think that the SAB guys actually thought about this, but it's not an official prototype from from SAB. It's just uh, something that Scott came up with, basically. But to me, it's just... Oh, okay. I didn't actually realize that. I assumed it was an official one. No, it's something that Scott wanted to do, but to me, it's awfully convenient (laughs) that, uh, that, that there's that space on the lower on the lower frame and you just remove the side plate and you can put that pipe and the um, and the tank, which appears to fit perfectly. It looks almost like it was made for the heli. Was he using um, was he using uh, Goblin Nitro parts, or is this a like a conversion? I don't know. You 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 know me. I'm I'm not for Nitro. You know, I was just curious because it was a Goblin, so I didn't ask for anything any more details because he would probably go into all the nuisances of you know oh yeah and it has this clutch and it has this oh no I don't want to know about it. So uh, I don't know, man. It cracks in your defenses are forming. You want a Nitro? I know you do. You want a crack in Nitro? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I I'd rather have two electric <laughs> electric crackers. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah no um yeah I, I just I was just curious I mean if this was official or not but no it's uh something that he did although I think that someone else also did it someplace else in Europe so it seems like uh like we're gonna start seeing some uh you know nitro crack and spot pop off and on uh, uh you know eventually. But uh, you know, I prefer the electric. I'm I'm still I'm still intrigued. You know, I I was just curious. I, I'm probably gonna end up with a nitro at some point. Uh, <laughs> I think it'll probably be the nitroxy um, next year when that one comes out. But uh, I, since I don't really know anyone around me that is into nitro helicopters, um, I could easily see myself like building the airframe and then just looking at it and not really knowing what to do with it. <laughs> Uh, there's 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 plenty of, of of resources. You know, Frank can help you out, and there's there's a ton of resources. I think that that you you should be able to make it if you're really interested. I have to fly him out for the weekend and hang out and fly nitros together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Let's see. On the, next up on the list, there is the MCPX brushless version two from Blade. So that guy is uh, still on pre-order, and I know this because I pre-ordered one. <laughs> And as much as I like larger helicopters, I can't seem to stop buying the micros. You know, I just, I don't know what it is. I, I have a, I've got an S2 and I have a 150 and now I'll have a uh, MCPX BL2. I'm pretty excited about it because I feel the, you know, the, the 150 is slightly too big for my backyard. The Nano is just too sensitive to wind. Uh, I'm hoping this will be the right combination of power, resiliency, and, um, and maneuverability and, and size for my for my uh, for my backyard flying. So I'm I'm hoping this will be the last one that I need to that I need to get. But somehow their marketing department always makes me want to buy <laughs> their new micros. Um, so yeah, I, I know that there was a you know there's a pretty big following for the the MCP Expressless. Yes, and people have been asking for it to be uh, re-released for years now. And um, 
it, it was it was funny the minute that they put out the announcement you know people were complaining about it and they hadn't even seen it in real life so. yeah they asked for it so much and now they're complaining ah. uh, no one's ever gonna yeah. be happy yeah no one people are never happy i'm happy i will be even more happy if they ever settle on a ship date because i think it's changed two or three times now yeah, uh, yeah. but that'll be a that'll be a good one yeah, and yeah, I, that that's that seems like a like a nice heli, I think. But yeah, I, I'm I'm I I I don't want to go into the micro route myself. Yeah, I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't either if I hadn't figured out that I can actually fly these things at night in my backyard pretty well, which means that I don't have to worry about finding time to fly if I don't want to, and I can just you know after the kids are in bed, I can just go outside, I can turn on the shed lights and the garage light. And I can see really, really well, um, well, well enough to fly a, uh, a helicopter in the backyard, which is pretty damn cool, actually. I didn't really think I could do that uh, until uh, a couple of weeks back, and so now I've been flying. I've been flying the Nano in the backyard at night, and um, it's just it's so sensitive to the wind that I end up just like I've lost it in the trees a couple times because like a gust of wind will come by, and I'm thinking that you know if I have this if I have this uh, MCPX, I could continue my inverted circuit training um, in the evening and not have to worry about being pressed for time. So that's my, that's my goal here. Hopefully it'll work. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. And uh, let's see what else we got here. Okay. So Oxy updates, there are new Oxy five canopies, which um, promptly sold out on the website, but they look pretty badass. And there's also a, a new Oxy two canopy shape. It's not, it's not new. It's been out for a few months now, but I just realized it. I didn't even, um, I didn't even notice that they had actually changed the shape to make it look much more like the Oxy-4 canopy, which is arguably my favorite canopy of all time. Uh, and then there was also an Oxy-2 one-way bearing kit, which was released, which is pretty interesting. Uh, it's quite expensive, considering that you can buy a brand new kit for like 150 bucks, I think, uh, an Oxy-2 Sport. And this, this is actually like $50 almost, so it's a very expensive bearing upgrade. But uh, a lot of people have been asking for a one-way bearing for the Oxy-2 for, you know, forever since it came out. So this will be nice um, that they'll have that out there. And let's see, the last bit of news I have here is the Jetty DS-12 transmitter, which has been, you know, it's been available for purchase in Europe now for several weeks, if not months. And it is still not available in the U.S. Um, I was wondering if it might have failed the FCC testing, but according to some people on uh, on HeliFreak that seem to be in the know. It looks like there might just be a shortage in available testing facilities. Uh, so it might still be going through the process. Um, and they're expecting approval uh, between October, late October and early November, which will be really nice. Um, I was I was really on the fence between Jetty and Kropner. And, and honestly, if the Jetty, if the DS-12 had been available a month and a half ago, I might have gotten that. But nope, I'm all in on Gropner and I'll probably be there for a while. So um, I look forward to hearing how people like the DS12, though. Okay, good. Um, is that the DS12? Is that the new lower end one? Yeah, well, it's the same. You know, it's the same screen as the DS24, which is their highest end, and it's the same gimbals, I believe, as the 16, but it's got a plastic case. And you know, the, since the all the other jetties are machined aluminum, they're 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 pretty heavy. They're very heavy, actually. They're they're surprisingly heavy. And so this plastic one was supposed to be able to keep the cost down, also make it easier to use without a strap, um, which is I know is a big concern. Like I, I, I hate using straps personally. I, I like just to hold it. And I think that if you had one of the higher end jetties, you might not be able to do that because of the weight. Although what was 
one thing that was interesting that I was reading on, um, again, on Helifreak was some of the, the guys that got the very first kits were having some issues with the throttle stick sticking, um, which was unusual because it's the same gimbal. It's like the same actual hardware as the ones that are in the higher end, the DS-16 uh, model. And I think the consensus was is that this, the rigidity of the aluminum was actually keeping the gimbal hardware in place uh, so that it actually was um, that the stick was running smoothly, and when they switched to a plastic case, it didn't have the same rigidity. So they were finding out that the um, the gimbal wasn't being held in place as well. So I'm not a hundred percent sure if that is just this one experience, because obviously you know there's not a whole lot of them out there yet. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if um, if a lot of these units are having this problem, or if it's really just a one-off thing, but there might be something to the rigidity of the case. So that's, uh, that's interesting. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Yep. And so, um, I think that's it. All I've got for news. Do you have anything else? I don't have anything. Okay. How about, um, tales from heli freak? What's been going on on heli freak? Uh, I, I know you don't spend much time there, but in the <laughs> no, two or three minutes, no, in the two or three minutes that you've been on there, what, you, what, what have you seen? Yes, I w- it, you know I'm a very fast reader, so um, so I came in and 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 I quickly glanced at some things and then just uh, found these things. So, um, well, there there was this uh, <clears throat> this thread on Helifreak about a guy, you know, and it, it I think it's perfect with with today's topic because it's uh well he says that he's been flying for what was it for like seven years I think. <clears throat> so he's been flying for a while, and then he said that he wanted to get, you know, into a 700 size because you know it was time. It sounds like it, you know, uh, flying after seven years. It sounds like you know, yeah, um, you're 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 ready probably for a 700. But apparently he he sold everything he had, like his entire fleet, to buy this this single. Um, 700 size helicopter, a Goblin 700 competition. <clears throat> and uh, he posted because he crashed it. Um, he he's, he initially thought that it was the icon that had failed on him. Um, but, you know, after the, the, it's pages and pages and pages and pages, you know, that, 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 that thread grew like crazy, you know, from people... Uh, Telling him that you know he was doing the wrong thing, that he should have checked his electronics, that uh, you know that that telling him that he had a bad attitude, you know, to um, I posted about you know, hey guy, you know, uh, you probably shouldn't have put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, I understand that you want to go with something like this. That it's probably not a good idea to just have you know one single helicopter that costs a gazillion to crash. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's all sorts of opinions there. Uh, uh, he, he said that he was a college kid, that he didn't have the money and that he had spent everything and that now he didn't have money to fix it. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it, it grew, it grew and grew as a heli freak thread. Some of them tend to do with a whole bunch of opinions. Um, I think that in the end, this guy started, you know, trying to get the parts that he needs. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to, to how you say, prejudge him 
uh, because, you know, I don't really know him. But uh, he says that he's been fighting for seven years, but uh, it seems like he didn't fully disassemble the helicopter. And I think that, you know, it would benefit from that. Um, yeah, I, I, I read through, I didn't read through all of it, um, but you're right, it ex that thread exploded. <laughs> for for a while, it seemed like there was a, you know, a mob mentality with pitchforks and torches yeah. <laughs> for a bit. But, um, right, right. I, I guess the um, the general consensus is that, you know, these things are expensive, they're dangerous, and there is a, there's a certain amount of responsibility that you have when you're buying something used. Uh, responsibility to yourself and then all the people that are around you to make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, yeah, I, that was a, that was a tough one because I felt I felt bad for the guy. You know, it's a it's an expensive machine, and um, if it's something that you've wanted for a really long time and you felt like you're ready to make the jump, um, I, I could see. I don't know. I, I've got I've got mixed feelings on that one because I could easily see that being me. You know, like I've been flying for a really long time on paper. Yeah, but that's just on paper. Like I really don't know a whole lot, and being able to jump straight, jumping from a uh, you know, from a smaller helicopter straight to a used seven hundred, that seems very irresponsible. Um, just because you didn't build that, you know, you don't know what went into it. You don't know how. If there's a there's a bunch of different moving moving pieces. There's a bunch of different things that are working together, and and if you didn't build that, and this is your first seven hundred, that's just a recipe for disaster, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I I too have mixed feelings about it because you know, I I I uh, you know, as you know, my budget has been my heli budget has been decreasing, and you know, it it's it, I crashed my helis, and it's taken me a while to fix them, you know, and it's and it's not and it's not easy, and it's a, a little bit you know, uh, depressing, to, you know, to see them in pieces and to just start saving up little by little by little, you know, I I clearly have helicopters that are that are more expensive that I can fix you know that's that's the reality uh, you know at one point in time I was able to afford them uh, not 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 saying that you know I was I was easily able to afford them but you know I was able to afford them uh, but you know things happen in life and I, I started having less opportunity to be able to afford them but I already had them uh, so, but I, I happen to choose, you know, a, a relatively expensive brand to, to, to keep. So, you know, I, I also have mixed feelings because I also don't have a lot of, a lot of money for the hobby, but I really like them, you know, I, but if I sold them and bought, you know, Alliance, you know, I, I would be able to crush them much more often and get them back into the air much faster, but that's not what I want. You know, I, I like goblins. I want my goblins. I really like them. Uh, I like how they're designed. I like how they fly. I like how they look. You know that. Uh, you know we've talked about it. That romanticism. Uh, you know for the, for for these things, and um, you know, uh, but but it but it's it's difficult because you know if you crash them, uh, which happens either by a dumb thumb, uh, which happens uh, much less. Not because I'm a better pilot, but because you know I, I'm very careful. Uh, but, you know, stuff happens like the 500, you know, it was an, an electronic failure. Uh, so, you know, things can happen and, and things will break and then you'll have to repair them. And, uh, the, the more, the, the more higher end the helicopter is, you know, the more expensive it is and the, the bigger it is, the exp more expensive it is as well. You know, just the blades are, 
you know, more than $100. So, uh, so I also, I also felt bad, you know, for him, but, but you, you also have to think that, you know, you need to think about a little bit about what you're doing. And, and, you know, if you take the decision, then live with it, you know? So, so if, if you take the decision to like me, I took the decision to keep with Goblin and to keep coming with Goblin, you know, and I know that it's going to take me a few months to, to repair my helis, you know, that's fine. You know, that's what I chose. And now that I'm starting to get them together, you know, I'm very happy about it, about that. So, and, and that's, that's the way it is with, with this hobby. And it's, it's a hard thing to accept. <laughs> I'll be honest, you know, it's a hard thing to accept that, you know, crashes happen and you'll just have to, uh, you know, fork out the money to fix them. Um, and that's, that's part of it. You know, I think what this reminds me of the most is um, something that I went through with my friends when I was younger um, regarding sports cars. You know, I've, I've loved BMWs since I was a kid and I've always wanted one. Um, but I, you know, you know that there is the, the purchase cost, but then, which is, you know, something that you can easily attain if you save. But then there's the, maintenance cost, the insurance cost, uh, all the little things that go into like the ownership cost of, uh, like the ownership cost of an M3 is pretty high. You can get a used M3 for, for not all that much money, but then you have to take on the responsibility of keeping it maintained. And I, I feel like if you're going to, if you're going to scrimp and save and cut corners to be able to just barely, barely afford the, the entry point, which would be say a used BMW, but you're not thinking then about like the much larger cost associated with actually owning it and using it. And in this case, it, it is money, but it's also, um, it's also knowledge of how the heli works. So in this case, like, you know, you're buying a U 700 and you're getting everything that you can do to get together to the funds to buy a U 700. Um, but what you're not necessarily taking into account would be yes, the crash costs, but also just like the amount of knowledge that you have to have accumulated to successfully own and operate a 700. And so that this is what this is reminds me of. I, I'm wondering if anyone else thinks that way too, because it's it, it, it amazed me how much of a negative reaction this prompted so quickly. It, it's it, there's there's a deeper level of thinking other than just the amount of money that the caught that the kit costs to get in your hands. And I, I believe that like the other part of that equation just like wasn't taken into account whatsoever. We might be too. We're probably being too hard on the guy. <laughs> um. Well, let's see what's a, what's another what's a positive a more positive tale from Heli Freak the um, the static the static tail um, static grounding discussion that one was hugely useful in my opinion like I, I really enjoyed reading through that all the different opinions um, I think that they were they were laid out in a very civil manner but there was a lot of information in there that I really wish yeah. I had known a couple of years ago yeah definitely that's uh, that was a very very good thread um, I also I also agree you know it it, it 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 all started with just asking about about a an anti-static spray for the belt, and then it grew into yeah you know a lot of information of how everything works and you know very highly technical information at times. So yeah, it was it was very good. I I also think that 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 thread ended up being very useful and uh, something that uh, that I'll definitely. Do you know something that was funny about that thread? Someone mentioned, and I've never thought about that, but it's true. You know that if you just run it when it's dark, if you see you know sparks, then you'll realize that you have you, you'll see that static at work. 
So, uh, so yeah, that, you know, I think I could have been flying for 10 years and never would have thought to run the blades in the dark or run the, run the head in the dark without the blades. I, I never would have thought to do that. Yeah. 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 Me too. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's really, really helpful, you know, having, having so many people, uh, come in and put their different opinions. So, uh, that, that was, that was a pretty good thread. I agree. Yeah. So moral of that thread, um, too long, didn't read is take a multimeter Put one end on your tail, one end on your motor mount. If you have continuity, you're great. If you don't, do something so you have continuity. <laughs> yes. And that something can be a whole lot of things. All right. So, all right. What's What's been going on with the other podcasts in the field? So, other podcasts. Uh, what's been going on? Uh, Helihead's show. I have to admit that I, that I just saw today that they have two more episodes other than the first one that I heard. I did too. I I uh, I heard about the first one. I didn't have a chance to listen to it. And then I saw on Helly Freak that they were, um, they were posting their third episode already. It's like, man, we got to catch up. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, the, the thing is that they weren't on, they probably had the same issues that we had with a little bit of delay on, on the posting on the podcast app. Uh, I don't know if it's there yet because, you know, I usually... Uh, uh, you know that all I use is my my phone to listen to podcasts, and usually when I'm when I'm commuting, and I just use the same you know the Apple uh, pod, podcast app. Um, I do have the um, the Podbean uh, there, but I I don't like how it works, so um, I just use the uh, the one there. So if it's not published on on Apple, I basically don't don't listen to it. But it's now published on. On Apple, so I'll subscribe to it now, so that I can listen to it on my phone. I need to do that too. So thank you for the reminder. Um, okay, yeah, and then there's uh, Telerotor. That was a fantastic episode, actually, with the 700 comparisons. I really enjoyed that one. Yes, um, they did a yes. lot of research, extensive research on all the different, you know, the weights and the crash costs, and um, I really appreciate that. You know, I think that. You know, you and I have done a bare minimum of research for these episodes, <laughs> so I, I appreciate the effort that's gone into that. Um, although I will have to say that my favorite part of their podcast was the uh, the Gray Eagle response readings that they did. So, Gray Eagle, if you're listening, um, I love your responses, man. And um, the uh, the back and forth communication that they had on the Telerider uh, episode was was pretty cool. Yes. Yes, I agree. I agree. That that was a good thing. You know, it's 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 cool to see Grey Eagle going into different forays. You know, he uh, <laughs> he he's a, he's now a staple on uh, on Freefall. Nice. Uh, you know, with that uh, with that not, with that music that when they when they read it out, and, and that's pretty cool. I really enjoy that. And uh, and then they, you know they did something different with that exchange. That was pretty good. Actually, you know yeah, what? I'm, that, I might that, be that on awesome. Helifreak while we're talking uh, about this, and I just got my first Gray Eagle response. I've been on Helifreak for like eight years now, and I just got my very first Gray Eagle response. So awesome, man! I appreciate it. I feel like a full blown member of the community finally. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, well, talking about Free Fall RC, they they had their show with no name, which was. Uh, just banter, uh, you know. Those guys are. I, it's amazing how those guys are always. You know, there there cannot be a uh, a Friday where there's no episode. The only the only one where they forgot to upload it. I was like, hey, where's the episode? And two hours later, we saw it. So <laughs> nice. It was. It's it's nice. You know, they, they, those guys are pretty constant. I mean, 
they they are they're racking up the episodes. Yeah, they're, they're, they just hack away at it. They're 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 doing really well. And it looks like BKRC is back. I've been missing those guys. Um, so they just released a new episode. It looked like just tonight, you know, like a couple hours ago. Yes, yes, that that that's pretty good. And actually, I think that uh, we should we should we should get one. I, I you know I, I I had an idea for this episode, but we're not all together. So I think that it'll be something for next episode when we're all together. Um, because I I I'm like you know like I, I'm missing like two minutes, you know, on of the end of it. You know, I'm almost done with it. Uh, I was listening to it today. Um, and uh, it's it's really good, you know. It's really good, you know. They're getting back. They talked about that, you know, the lightweight the lightweight kraken. Uh, they talked about, you know, how they've been doing their vacations and stuff. It was really good to to hear them back. But something that really that that you know that that picked my interest um, is uh, a little bit off topic, I guess. But I think that it would be nice to talk about it, uh, you know, when we're all back. That, you know, what other hobbies do you do? Because they talk about motivation, you know. Um, those guys have, these guys have been, you know, in the hobby forever. And it comes a time for them when, you know, they leap off the hobby. So it's their job. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, they've been for on it for so long that they sometimes just burn out or lose the interest. So how do you motivate yourself? back into getting into the group of the hobby so i don't think that we're in that you know anywhere near that situation we're still you know when can i fly what can i fly what can i fly um but um but i think that it would be cool to know what other hobbies uh do we have you know aside from from just helicopters and what other hobbies we've had as well uh you know that have led us to this point yeah, no, I think that sounds a great idea because, you know, <laughs> like I know, I know you guys through really just the hobby. So in my mind, all, you know, all of you guys are all one dimensional. It's like, well, obviously you like helis and that's it. So <laughs> this will be great. Yeah. Uh, because for me, you know, I like, uh, I like, I like many things. I like small helicopters and big helicopters. <laughs> I'm, I'm a man of many interests, Javier. <laughs> I like digital helicopters and physical helicopters. <laughs> no, I think that's a great idea. Um, because yeah, in, in the grand scheme of, of hobby interests, this, you know, this one is very strong now, but hasn't always been that way. So, yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. All right. Uh, the, the hooligans, you know, nothing about those guys. Um, I, I really hope that they can get together and, and, and get another episode. It's really entertaining. Well, if we keep mentioning it every time, maybe they'll listen and be motivated, as you say. Uh, to make yeah, I hope so. We <laughs> should we should start bombing them with emails. Actually, that's true. Why don't we just have them on our show, and then we, you know, then they'll just make an episode via us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, tell them, hey guys, you don't have to edit. You know, just come in and talk, and yeah, uh, we'll good. do the rest. <laughs> and uh, Bobby Watts, uh, he hasn't released anything, but you know, he it's kind of like you know, he just whenever he thinks up of 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 a topic, he just releases an episode. And I think that's it on the podcast scene. Um, anything else that uh, that we missed? No, not um, all, other than I've got a, a few episodes to catch up on um, for my commute. So thanks for the reminder on that. And I will be listening to those for the next couple of days. Uh, so no, I think that's it on podcast. Let's move to really this is uh, you know some closing stuff here, and uh, we'll pick it up next episode with pretty much the exact same topic, but on the nitro side. 
So as we uh, as we leave uh, weekly picks, mine is completely unrelated to helicopters. But are you familiar with Boston Dynamics at all? Ah, uh, no. I'm, it is a I'm... robotics company that creates ridiculously well. That creates eerie um, humanoid and um, uh, animal-like robots. Uh, they're one of the most advanced robotics manufacturers in the world. I believe they were bought by um, I believe they were bought by Google um, a couple of years back. But they have released a new video of a humanoid robot doing gymnastics. And if you want to know what the end of times is going to look like, just watch a few Boston Dynamics videos because these are the robots that will make humans extinct. <laughs> It's it's fascinating and terrifying at the same at the exact same time. It's like if you want to see something scary, just imagine one of these animal-like robots with a machine gun mounted on it, and uh, you have the end of the world right there. Yes, yes, Terminator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Killbot. So that's a fascinating video. Um, I followed them for for quite a while, uh, and they they never cease to impress me with their creepy robots. So that's mine. <laughs> Well, uh, mine I had two, but you stole one. Uh, I was talk I was gonna talk about the Night of Kraken, but we've already talked about it on the news. Uh, so you stole that from me, man. Oh, I mean, sorry. you're you're too bad. I mean, you. I bet <laughs> I you saw my. You, you saw the show notes. You saw that I was gonna say that, and you put that on the news. <laughs> I gotta steal your thunder somehow. I'm not gonna steal your black thunder, but I, I wish I had a black thunder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, the the, the the other, the other, the only other thing about uh, you know, aside from Saturday night videos and such, um, I'm I'm a very big consumer of uh, you know of YouTube videos, um, uh, and uh, recently I I rewatched Canponoy's uh, uh, Night Urge of Light. Um, I watched that. I had the privilege of watching that uh, live, you know, with my son. My son actually loved that flight as well as I did. Uh, it was it, it's one of the most amazing flights I've ever seen. Uh, you know that guy was doing very hard maneuvers on all different orientations. It was crazy, and uh, I just rewatched that uh, recently. And uh, you know, from the point of view, you know, when you watch it at Ercha, it's awesome because you watch it live, but you watched it, you know, at a distance and you know behind the the, the protecting gate. Uh, so, uh, you know, now I watched it from the point of view of a guy right next to him. So much better view of the, of the, of the flight. And it's, it's impressive. Nice. Yeah. If you can, um, if you put the link in the show notes, uh, I will add it to the episode. I know that I was supposed to add a couple links, um, for last episode, which I completely forgot about until right now. So I will add those as well. Uh, from last episode, but yeah, put put that link in there because I haven't seen that video. I would, uh, I, I remember you talking about the flight and how amazing it was. But uh, it was really cool that they got it on camera. I'd love to see yes, it. Yes, yes, for sure. You're for sure. I'll I'll put it out. So that's it for me. Yeah. What about you, Frank? Oh, sorry, you're not in. Frank doesn't have any picks today. Um, <laughs> actually, Frank's pick is that he is too busy repairing his um, <laughs> Goblin Nitro to hang out with yes, us tonight. Yes. I, I was I was looking forward to hear all about that, but I'll hear about that, uh, you know, when when you guys talk about it. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to get that one out. Well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be gone for a couple of weeks, so that might be a might be a bit might be a bit late on that one. 
Um, okay, so to, to get a hold of us, you know, uh, you can always send us messages on, on HeliFreak. My uh, username is Tamupino, T-A-M-U-P-I-N-O. Um, any guesses of what that username means, Javier? Uh, no, but uh, I wanted to challenge you. We need a countdown on when you're going to say what that means. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know, two, three episodes, you name it, but you have okay. to you, you have to put it, you have to say when. I will say that it's incredibly underwhelming. It's not cool at all. <laughs> but I will say, <laughs> I will say, I will, I will do a big reveal. Let's say, uh, let's say four episodes. That sounds, sounds like a good number. So people are, that, that'll okay. incentivize right. maybe one person to keep listening. I don't know. <laughs> so Tamu Pino, um, Javier, what's yours? Uh, mine, uh, well, I'm... Um... I'm totally scoiled, basically, uh, almost an, uh, everywhere except Facebook. Um, I'm uh, totally scoiled on Instagram. I'm totally scoiled at, um, at, at Helifreak uh, via PM. I'm also uh, totally scoiled uh, on YouTube, although you can find me by my name, Javier Moreno. But it's easier to find me via tinyurl.com slash um, and of course, you can also email me directly, toadiescoil at gmail.com. And new for this episode, we actually have our own email address. So if you want to send Javier a private message and not let us know about it, that's fine. You can do that. But if you want to send a message to everybody, um, we can be reached at skidsup.podcast at gmail.com. And that'll be um, the just collective email for the show uh, if you want to send a message for all of us. And uh, I think that just about does it. So thank you very much for tuning in. And please make sure to join us for the next installment where we will do this entire thing over again. But with nitros <laughs> and gassers and all those wonderful things that get your fingernails dirty. Ew. And thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>